Okay, there are saints. Exodus chapter 26. This evening we continue in this chapter, starting at verse 15. And uh, let's read through this portion of scripture that's in front of us. And uh, just so that we can begin to be on the same page as we kind of go through just the, the furnishings here of the tabernacle. In Exodus 26, beginning in verse 15, this is Bar Hearts. Father, you, you alone are so good. You are patient. You are kind. You look to us, the, the, the church. You have redeemed us. You have purchased us. You have knit us. We being many, you've made one. So what your word declares. And yet we want to see Jesus. We want to see who we are in you, Jesus. What it is that you've done. So again, as always, just speak to our hearts. Give us ears to hear what your spirit would speak to us, your church. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, I was so excited to teach. Just, let's just jump into it. Exodus 26, verse 15. And for the tabernacle, you should make boards of acacia wood, standing upright. Ten cubits shall be the length of a board, and a cubit and a half shall be the width of each board. Two tenons shall be in each board for binding one to another. Thus you shall make for all the boards of the tabernacle. Verse 18, and you shall make the boards for the tabernacle, 20 boards for the south sides. You shall make 40 sockets of silver under the 20 boards, two sockets under each of the boards for its two tenons. Verse 20, and for the second side of the tabernacle, the north side, there shall be 20 boards. And there are 40 sockets of silver, two sockets under each of the boards. For the far side of the tabernacle, verse 22, westward, you shall make six boards. You shall also make two boards for the two back corners of the tabernacle. And they shall be coupled together at the bottom. They shall be coupled together at the top by one ring. Thus it shall be for both of them. They shall be for the two corners. Verse 25, so there shall be eight boards with their sockets of silver, 16 sockets, two sockets under each of the boards, and you shall make bars of acacia wood, five for the boards on one side of the tabernacle, five bars for the boards on the other side of the tabernacle, five bars for the boards on the east side, of, of, for the boards on the side of the tabernacle, for the far side westward. Verse 28, the middle bar shall pass through the midst of the boards from end to end. You shall overlay the boards with gold. Make their rings of gold as holders for the bars and overlay the bars with gold. And you shall raise up the tabernacle according to its pattern, which you were shown on the mountain. We got a lot to cover here tonight in this portion. And so what I want to do is this. I want to begin by giving you the same foundation that we've given since we've started this portion of the tabernacle found in Exodus 25. 
In Exodus 25, beginning in verse 8 and 9, it makes this statement, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them, according to all that I show you, that is the pattern of the tabernacle, the pattern of all its furnishings, just so you shall make it. And so we understand that this is that direction that God says, I've given you this tabernacle, the, pattern, the tabernacle shall be according to the pattern, the pattern that I give to you. And we've also made note how when we go to the book of Hebrews chapter 8, and I want to read to you just one verse, verse 5, it makes this statement. As far as who serve the copy, speaking of the priest, the copy and the shadow of the heavenly things as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, see that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. So what we see is this tabernacle here is a copy, it's a shadow, and of course what Hebrews does is it testifies that the reality of all things is Christ. That everything here is a shadow, it points to two things, it points to the person of Christ, and it points to the ministry of Christ. And that's what we're looking at here with these boards and these sockets. These point to the person of and the ministry of Jesus Christ. Now, how are they going to point to the person, the ministry of Jesus Christ? Well, understand, as we go through this, it begins in verse 18. You shall make the boards of the tabernacle, 20 boards on the south side. So you understand, 20 there. And then you should make 40 sockets of silver under the board. So each one of the boards has two sockets of silver. There are 20 on the south side. It says in verse 20, on for the second side of the tabernacle, the north side, there shall be 20 boards. So there's 20 on the south, 20 on the north, and then on the west side of the tabernacle, it says in verse 22, for the far side of the tabernacle westward, you shall make six boards. So now you have 46, but then it also says in verse 23, you shall make two boards for the two back corners, so verse 25, there shall be eight boards with their socks, a total of 48 boards, a total of 96 sockets. And so you have these boards, the sockets, of course, that we understand are going to be sockets of silver. They're going to be these boards that are made of acacia wood. They're going to be placed inside of a foundation, a socket, if you will, of silver, and then these boards, as we see in verse 29, you shall overlay the boards with gold, make their rings of gold as holders for the bars, and overlay the bars with gold. So, when we have the building of these, we notice we have the boards, we have the sockets, we have the boards overlaying with gold, but then there's something unique about the boards and how they're connected. Verse 26, you shall make bars of acacia wood, five for the boards on one side of the tabernacle, five bars for the boards on the other side of the tabernacle, and five bars for the boards on the side of the tabernacle for the far side westward. So now you have bars that connect them, the total number being five. So... As we look to this, what I want to do is this. Before jumping into the study, I want to give you the answer. So that you're not fishing for it as we go through the study. 
I want you to have this foundation prior to going into it. A few verses I want you to jot down. The first verse I want you to jot down is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to read to you three verses. I want to read to you 12 and 13, and I want to jump to verse 20. So, in 1 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 12 and 13, this is what Paul says to the church in Corinth. He makes this statement, For as the body is one, one body, in other words, you have all of these 48 boards, all of these 96 sockets, all of them made of acacia wood, overlaid with gold. Many, many, many boards, all of them being one. So as we see here what 1 Corinthians 12, 12 tells us, as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body. And then it says this, as we're noting here, this tabernacle is Christ, it says this, so also is Christ. This is beautiful now when you begin to understand how this portion of the tabernacle knits us to Christ and finds us in Christ. In verse 13, it says, For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slave or free, all have been made to drink of the one spirit. And then in verse 20, again, it makes this statement, but now indeed there are many members, yet one body. It's a beautiful picture when we begin to look at what it is that God has for us when we're looking at these boards and what they signify here in the tabernacle. In 1 Corinthians, if you back up a little bit to chapter 3, verse 16, it makes this statement. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Beautiful portion. We are the temple of God, that we are that building. And then one other passage to kind of give you that heads up foundation of where we're going in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22, it makes this statement. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And then in verse 22 it says this, in whom you also are. You also are. It says being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. So I want you to see that what we're noting here is we're looking at this portion of the tabernacle as it fits into the ministry of Jesus Christ, that this is the guts, if you will. This is the bones, if you will. It is all the boards that are going to hold everything else up. These boards in the socket. And so the entirety of the building is many, 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 yet the many being one. 
And we're going to see how these boards and what they are, how they do represent us. But we've talked about, well, acacia wood is that, that which is um, not perishable. It's the eternal. It, 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 isn't, it doesn't rot. It doesn't get eaten by bugs. And the overlay with gold is deity. We said that's the body of Christ. That's the body of Christ. We'll understand what we are. What are we as a church? Let me just share with you one thing. Oh yeah, the body of Christ. And so as we look to this, I want you to recognize that it does make the statement in verse 15, and for the tabernacle you shall make the boards of acacia wood standing upright. Ten cubits shall be a length of the board, a cubit and a half shall be the width of the board. You're going to have two basic tenons on the bottom of the board. Verse 17, two tenons shall be in each board for a binding one to another. Thus you shall make for all the boards of the tabernacle. It's interesting that every single board, every single one has the exact <coughs> same standard. you got to love this. It's not where I have a standard, and then you have a standard, and then someone else has a standard, and maybe the church has a standard. Understand, this standard was depicted by God. The standard was commanded by God. This is the standard that God said every single piece should be. And I love the fact that nobody gets to make its own standard. I want this one to be different because it's on the corner. And nothing is different. Every single board has the same standard, the standard that God said it should be. Now, within these standards, we see it's going to be 10 cubits by one and a half cubits. Now, we've already talked about what the cubit is. The cubit is approximately 18 inches. It's the length of the average man from the elbow to the tip of his finger. That's basically a cubit. And so we looked at that about being 18 inches. So when you have 10 cubits, of course, it's going to be 15 feet, cubit and a half. You know, you're looking at um, 18 plus the, the 9 inches. So you're looking at 27 inches. And so it's going to make the dimensions of the tabernacle. But what's beautiful is it, it says it's 10 cubits. 10, as we've already have looked at this, 10 is that standard that God has established. In other words, it's the, the number of the law, 10 commandments. And so understand that when you look at the standard, the, the 10 commandments, you're dealing with God's heart, you're dealing with God's form of righteousness, you're dealing with um, that sense of this is the law, this is non-changeable. And so you have this 10, which is the standard of God, the, that, that whole area of what God considers that righteousness. And then you have that cubit and a half. Now, it's interesting, as we look to that portion of the, the 10, dealing with the 10 commandments, I want to share with you a passage, jot it down for you note takers. It's found in Ephesians chapter 4. I want to read to you verses 11 through 16, but it, it makes this statement. Ephesians 4, verse 11, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers 
for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And then it says this, because you're wondering, we're, we're not righteous. We know that. There's none righteous, no, not one. But it talks about this, as far as God bringing all these things together for his purposes, for the work of the ministry. In verse 13, it says this, till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Mm-hmm. You have to understand that he who has begun a good work is going to be faithful to complete it. Mm-hmm. So as we're looking to this number of 10, we're all saying, I'm not there. And God looks down and says, it's already done. You don't have to worry about it. This is a beautiful thing. And then when we come to that measure, now when it comes to its 10 cubits, we all understand that. That's that number of the law, the perfection, the the righteousness of God. But then we talked about that cubit and a half. Remember when we just started out in this passage, um, looking at the tabernacle, we had made a note in chapter 25, verse 10, where it says, they shall make an ark of acacia with two and a half cubits shall be its length, a cubit and a half its width, and a cubit and a half its height. We talked about what that cubit and a half was. That that half, we talked about was being cut in two. We talked about the two comings of Jesus Christ. And of course, it deals with the, the two natures he has. He's fully man and he's fully God, you know, so... You, you look at that, that cutting, that, that two being one, and that's what that half talks about. Well, it's interesting that what we see is this, that we understand that the Christ has two natures, both the humanity and the deity, but we also have two natures. We have the carnal nature and we have the spiritual nature. See, Jesus has perfected humanity. We're not. We're carnal in our humanity. But the beautiful thing is this. We have these, it's a cubit and a half, showing a division, a cutting of two, showing that there are two separate things in that one. And of course, when we look at that being us, we look at it, what? I have two natures. I have this carnal nature and I have this spiritual nature. But the beautiful thing about the wood that we already noted in verse 25, you shall overlay the boards with gold. What does God see? He doesn't see the inside. He sees, he sees Christ. He sees the righteousness. He sees the gold. And so it's, it's a beautiful thing what we begin to understand. So the first thing that I want you to understand is that every board is according to a standard that God sets up. And we'll be looking at that standard as far as it's the righteousness of God. There, there's no other standard. So when we come and we're set into this body of Christ, when we're set into this this, this holy house of God, and we're a part of that, he actually puts us into his standard. He's the one who says, this is my standard. It's righteousness. It's the righteousness of God. And I'm going to impute that to you. The other thing that we see is this. Yes, it's a standard of God. But the unique thing is this, and I love how the Holy Spirit adds things that sometimes we overlook, but when you dig into it, you wonder, why does he say that? In verse 15, just before he talks about the standard of 10 cubits and the tenons that are going to be there on the bottom of the boards, it makes this statement, verse 15, and for the tabernacle, 
you shall make the boards of acacia wood. And then it says this, standing upright. This is incredible when, when you think about it. These boards aren't laying down. These boards are standing straight. You know that, that Psalm, Psalm 25, verse 8, good and upright is the Lord. No bending, no shifting. That's what it is. And so we begin to see that. In Psalm 7, verse 10, it says, my defense is of God who saves the upright of heart. And we're thinking, well, I don't, it'd be nice if I was the upright of heart, but I know my heart is deceitful and wicked above all things. Who can know it? But I do want you to understand how God looks at this uprightness of the heart. What he sees of Job, and eventually Job is going to confess his sin, but uniquely what God says this of Job, I do want to read one passion to you, just one portion of the scripture of Job 1.1. It says, there was a man in the land of us whose name was Job, and the man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and shunned evil. This is the heart that we begin to see that what God does is he says, I want every board to be upright. And in case you're worried that you aren't quite upright enough, I want to share with you one portion of scripture don't turn there, but jot it down. Put it in your notes. Maybe even write this one in your Bible at this point of being upright. Because in Romans 14, verse 4, it makes this statement, Who are you to judge another's servant? Now, let me help you with that. You are God's servant. Who are you to judge God's servant? Who are you to judge the person on the other side of the room on you? Who are you to judge the person in front of the room from you? Who are you to judge the person sitting in your chair? Do you understand? Who are you to judge another person's servant? See, I'm the servant of God. And, and God is the one who's, I don't even judge myself. He's the one who's going to judge me. I love what he says. Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master, he stands or falls, and he will be made to stand for God is able to make him stand. This is God. And so when we look to this, don't worry that you're thinking, I don't think I could stand upright. It's not your job. It's not your job. God is able to make you stand. So when he puts you into this tabernacle, when you become one of the boards, when you become one of the section that is now the very core, the bones of where God says, I'm going to meet with the people, the very tabernacle of God, we are included in this incredible vision. But it's not us outside of Christ. It's us only in Christ, which is why I'm trying to share with you, this is a copy, a pattern of the person and the ministry of Christ. Now keep in mind, the person of Christ is what? It's his whole body. But understand what God says, we're part of that body. The ministry of Christ is putting us into the body. And it's just such a beautiful thing. Now, when we understand this, what we begin to see is that there's the, the many of the members, yet one body. Now, we read that, and I set you in on that anchor initially as we talked about 1 Corinthians 12, 13. Many members, yet one body. And as we begin to look to that, there's a couple other verses that I want to just bring alongside with that. There's a portion in Colossians chapter 1, 
18, and it makes this, and he is the head of the body, the church. So we have many members being one body, but there's one head that directs and controls and allows the body to function. And so a couple other passages just so that you can be aware of. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, when Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, he made this statement. He said, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? And so this is that key that we begin to see here of what it is that the God is trying to declare. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who you have from God, and you are not your own, you've been bought with a price. And so we understand this passage and what it is that God is saying, yeah, I got you, you are part of this body, this is my work in you. A couple other passages to give you just so you can keep following this trend that you know I'm not just trying to sell you something with a verse or two but in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 16 he makes this statement he says this 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 16 and what agreement has the temple of God with idols for you are the temple of the living God as God has said I will dwell in them and walk among them I will be their God and they shall be my people that God's going to be in the midst and what's amazing is as these boards form the outside where is God in the midst he's right there in the holy of holies there above the mercy seat and it's just such a beautiful picture of what we're seeing here. Another passage found in Ephesians chapter 2. I want to read to you verses 19 through 22. But it says this. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners. But fellow citizens with the saints. And members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom, verse 22, you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So as we begin to see these boards having the standard of God and everything is depicted according to the pattern that God establishes, two other verses to give you. One, Hebrews 3, verse 6 makes this statement, but Christ as a son over his own house. Now, of course, Moses was a servant in the house, but Christ as a son over his own house, whose house you are, if we hold fast to confidence, the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. So understand, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, makes this declaration. Peter says this, You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. 
So all this is saying over and over and over again that we are part of this incredible thing called the temple of God. Now, as we look to this temple, something unique about it. You understand that first and foremost, verse 15, the boards are standing upright. We know that. God is able to make you stand. Verse 16, 10 cubits, a cubit and a half. It's a standard that God establishes. You can't have your own standard. It has to be that. There's going to be two tenons in each of the boards, verse 17. Now, that term tenon is a unique term. The, the term actually is it's called a hand or an open hand. And I find that intriguing. The term tenon means it's something that's going to grasp, it's something that's going to hold. But the term is it's an open hand that it can be fitted in. And so with this tenon, uniquely it's this. You're going to have two tenons on these boards, two hands that will be reaching down. And those hands, each one is going to fit these tenons, these little pieces of the wood going down are going to fit into those sockets. So you're going to have a board that looks like a rectangle, and then there's going to be two positions underneath the board that is going to set on a socket of silver. Silver, of course, being the, the middle of redemption. So these boards are not going to just simply be on the ground. They're going to be above the ground, set into a piece of silver, a socket of silver, and this board is resting inside. One part of the board rests in one socket of silver redemption. The other side of the board rests in a second socket, still redemption. Two issues of redemption, two foundations of the redemption. And we'll look at that in just a little bit. But I want you to understand these boards have tenants. Simply it says it's an open hand. Now, uniquely is this. It says in verse 18, you shall make the boards for the tabernacle, 20 boards on the south side, 40 sockets of silver underneath the, the 20 boards. And then in verse 20, for the second side of the tabernacle, the north side, there shall be 20 boards and 40 sockets of silver, two sockets on each side of the board. Now, you have a set of 20 on one side and you have a set of 20 on the other side and then uniquely they're on the western side that you're going to have what is known as 6 plus 2 equals 8. So you have 6 board on this, this western side. Now, now why the number 20? And it's interesting that why do you have the number 20 on one side and why do you have the number 20 on the other side? And, and it's an amazing thing because the, the number 20, when you take a look at how biblical numerologists look at it, you, you simply take the easiest division 2 times 10. It's the witness of the law. And I find that absolutely amazing, the witness of the law. Now, we already know that the law is perfect. The law is, is God's standard. But the witness of the law is this. On one side, you have these, you know, um, the witness of the law, the witness of the righteousness of the law, 20 on one side, 20 on the other side. And, and I find it interesting that this, there's a, a, a witness of the standard on the law on both sides. Think about this for just a second. Two sides being separate, being unique, being different, being a witness of the law, and yet are going to be joined in the back by the six plus two making eight. I want you to understand that when it comes to the witness of the law, there are two unique categories, and we'll call them Jew and Gentile. Hmm. 
You got the witness of the law with the Jew, the witness of the law with the Gentile. And what happens is this, when they're joined in the back, the number six, as we've talked about this, is the number of man. We, we, we understand that. And so 666 being the perfect man kind of a thing. And so six being the number of man. And so you have the, the witness of the law on one side, the witness of the law on the other side, and understand that it's always God's standard. It isn't our standard. It's how he does it. And so we, we see here that within these two, you have the Jew, you have the Gentile, and you have the, the joining. And in the back, it says it's man, but then you add two additional boards. That's what we looked at here, where it, it said on verse 25 of our text, so there shall be eight boards with their sockets, 16 sockets, two sockets under each. So the six turn into eight. The number of man is, of course, man incomplete. Seven is, is of course, you know, completion. Seven days is a complete week kind of a thing. But when you have the number eight, the eight means new beginning. New beginning. Understand, um, where, where seven is the complete week, eighth is the new beginning of the week. It's the first day of the week. It's a new beginning. Um, when God flooded the earth, how many people started the new earth? Eight. New beginnings. So, so eight is that number of new beginnings. And I love the heart because when you have the righteousness of the Jew, the righteousness of the Gentile, keep in mind that both of it is the standard of God. As the Jew gave the law, the Gentile didn't have the law. Guess what happens though? We, being two separate, now become this beautiful new beginning joined in the righteousness that God demands. And I love the fact that Jew doesn't come in any different than the Gentile. The Jew is in a different part of the body than what the Gentile is. We come in according to the standard of God. And so I just think it's such a beautiful thing because when you look at the standard that's set up, in 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, You are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification. And then he says, and redemption. Jesus is that redemption for both of us. So when you come to both the Jew and the Gentile, the, the silver sockets meaning what? Although you were the one who was given the law, the one who was called to walk the law, your, your, your foundation to come to God is still what? Redemption. It isn't your righteousness. It isn't works. It's redemption. It's purchasing your failure. And this is a beautiful thing that we think because what happens is when you look to these standards that are there and you look to what it is, keep in mind that we've already seen that passage in 2 Corinthians 5.21 where it says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. There's a righteousness that God demands, which is why we have these foundations here of that Beautiful, where the, the, the wood comes down overlaid with gold, and then you have, of course, eight joining them in the back, the number of from man to new beginnings, and then we look at these sockets. Now, it's interesting, as you have this, the, these boards in the back, the six boards, adding two boards, which is man to becoming a new beginning. Every one of us you're a new creation in Christ. All things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. We, we become new in this portion of scripture. And then you, uniquely is this, and I want to share with you that it does make this statement. When we're looking at the backboards, 
it does say this in verse 22. For the far side of the tabernacle westward, you shall make six boards. Of course, we know that the number of man. You shall also make two boards for the two back corners of the tabernacle. And they shall be coupled together at the bottom, and they shall be coupled together at the top by one ring. Thus it shall be for both of them. And it says this, they shall be for the two corners. Something beautiful about this tabernacle is the new beginning are these corners. You have man, but you add the two boards, the witness, and then you have what, would, what we would call the cornerstone. Mm -hmm. And so you have this cornerstone of everything that's established, what makes these two sections join. Because understand that if you only look at what should be the back, that six boards, it doesn't connect the two. Because you, what you need is you need to have where it's, um, as you go across, it has to be, I'm, I'm going to get mixed up in my math, but understand, they don't fit across when you look at the, the, the cube and a half, the cube and a half, they do not join to the end. When you add the two boards, they complete it, touching the two sides, and then you have a little overhang. And what they become is they become the joining, this new beginning, joining both the Jew and Gentile. Both of it now becomes this incredible worship of God. And so as we now see this, and I want to bring you back to just one portion of what we talked about here. In verse 18 and in verse 21, it says this, you shall make the boards for the tabernacle, 20 boards for the south side, Oh, verse 19, you shall make 40 sockets of silver. In verse 21, and there 40 sockets of silver. There, there comes to this point where we're seeing this, this here, this silver. And as you have the silver being the metal of redemption, I want you to understand that, that we are saved through two things that we are redeemed from. And, and this is a, a beautiful thing because there's two tenons, two anchors, and, and what are we redeemed from? The, the first, I want to just have you just read with me. I'll, I'll just read it to you. In Revelation chapter 5, it makes this beautiful statement, and I want to read verse 9 to you. But in Revelation 5, verse 9, let me just simply say, they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and you have opened its seals for you were slain and you have redeemed us, first anchor of redemption, you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. The first is we've been redeemed by the blood. In other words, we've been washed by the blood. The first area of redemption, that's what Revelation 1.5, I love the past because of Jesus, from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over all the kingdoms, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. You ever realize where we've been washed in the blood comes from? Revelation 1.5. And I love the heart of it because it's his blood that has redeemed us from our sins. And that's what it says here. He's washed us from our sins in his own blood. 
And so the first of the redemption comes is that we've been redeemed from our sin. The second redemption is, is close to it, but different. And in Galatians, let me read it to you. It makes this statement. I'm going to read to you from Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. We've read it before, but I want to focus on it again just as it bears witness. It says this, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, curse is everyone who hangs on the tree. So understand, the Bible talks about two forms of redemption, and they're separate. One, we've been redeemed from our sins, personally, then we've been redeemed from the curse that came through Adam. And the beautiful thing is, every part of our sin nature is dealt with. That which came from Adam, that which came from us. And so this is the redemption, those two anchors that are set apart on it. And it's just this beautiful, beautiful picture. And so now we understand it has to be a standard of God. Now we understand that, you know, we're part of this body. We make it up. You have Jew, you have Gentile. The two become one, no longer separate, now become one through the work of Jesus Christ as he becomes that chief cornerstone. This is that cornerstone where the, the, the builders rejected it, but Jesus Christ is that. The last thing that I want us to, to, to look at is this. Something unique about this, and it makes this statement. He says in verse 26, You shall make bars of acacia wood, five for the boards on one side of the tabernacle, five bars for the boards on the other side of the tabernacle, and five bars for the boards on the side of the tabernacle, for the far side westward. Verse 28, the middle bar shall pass through the midst of the boards from end to end. This is unique. So you have these 20 boards on one side, 20 boards on the other side, and of course the, the six adding the two, the eight boards in the back. But it says that they're set in sockets of silver, but then to join the bars together is a total of five bars. Five being the number of what? Grace. you got to love it. The things that hold us one to another is grace. Just grace. And it's amazing that the, those who came through the law come what? By grace. Those who came outside the law come by what? By grace. As we're noting is the Jews made this covenant with God. They said, everything you said will do. Remember, as it went through Exodus 19, they went to the Abbot, and they didn't do it. And as, as they made that covenant, excuse me, Exodus 21, they made that covenant, they didn't, they didn't master it, and they just simply, and they said, listen, if you don't do it, here's the issues. You do this, there's blessings. You don't do this, cursings. And we see how the nation of Israel again and again fell short of that standard. But how did they come to God? Grace. And so I just, it's this beautiful picture. So I think, understand, what is the one thing that connects every individual into one? It's God's grace. 
To be honest with you, if, if it wasn't for God's grace, you wouldn't like me. <laughs> you just wouldn't. I mean, if it wasn't for God's grace, I don't even like me. But it, it's, it's that reality that, that in his grace, I realize you're not done with me yet, Lord. You're, you're not done. And so I just want you to see here that there's five bars on one side, five bars on the other, and of course five bars in the back, the grace that connects the two together. There's a passage that I do want you to see here because the one bar very uniquely does this. It says in verse 28, the middle bar shall pass through the midst of the boards from end to end. And so this is a little different. You have five bars that connect. And what most scholars believe is this. There are diversities. And so I'm going to share with you the, the most common views. I'm going to share with you some of the less common views. And whichever one you like, go with it. I'm fine with it. I, I, don't, I don't really have a preference. I know what I lean towards, so I guess I do have a preference, but it's not a dogmatic preference. So this is a thus saith the Lowell, not thus saith the Lord. <laughs> what it says here in verse 28, the middle bar shall pass through the midst of the boards from end to end. There are some scholars, and I would lean to agree with them, that what takes place is this. That there's five bars. Four of them are either directly across where they don't actually hit the, the, the middle. But, but they come from one side to another side, they're shorter. They're, in other words, they'd be the width of ten boards. And you have two bars on one side, two bars on the other side. Some say they go straight across. Some actually say they angle up so it would look like an X. Makes sense. So that in, in all ways, the boards are connected. So there's a connection of each and every board on top and bottom. And then you're, you're of course, divided by the two, but then you have the one in the middle. And what I find is interesting is this. That if you have that one in the middle, there's a portion of scripture, and, and I want to read it to you. It's actually found in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. And it makes this statement. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of the mystery of the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, you, you have this grace on the outside, but then you have this bar acacia within gold, of course, and that we know that represents Christ. But it goes through the entirety. And I, my, my personal belief is that every single board had a hole drilled directly through from one side to another. And this bar fit directly inside where the fifth bar, that grace, you couldn't understand it. You couldn't see it. It was buried inside. And so the, each piece of wood would slide and each piece of wood would slide and each piece of wood would slide in, and they would be set on the tendons and that would be stable. But then you'd have these another four bars on each of the sides and of course another four bars in the back. And so it's just this is incredible thing which is, is just Christ in you, this hope of glory. And I want you to see that these, these bars that hold it all together uniquely of course is 
Each one of these boards are of acacia wood. Each one of the bars are acacia wood. And we talked about how that acacia wood is this type of Christ because he doesn't seek corruption. You know, the, the, the Christ is eternal. And, and how does that fit for us? I want to close it with this and, and just the, the, the beauty of what we see. We've noted how there in the book of Hebrews, and, and we, we read this initially when we started looking at the acacia wood and in Christ, but it said in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26, it, it made this statement. For such a high priest was fitting for us, whose holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners to become higher than the heavens. He is absolutely untarnished. He is, is in humanity, he is undefiled and, and uncorrupted. And I think it's such a beautiful thing. But there's one passage that I want to close with tonight as far as you and me. How do we fit into being part of this acacia wood? How do we fit into being this, this thing that is supposed to be uncorrupted? Well, I want you to turn to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to start reading in verse 42. So by the time that I, I get going here reading, you should be there. And I'm going to read all the way down to verse 55. So 1 Corinthians 15, 42 through 55. What, what, what Paul is talking about is how the dead are raised up. It's a beautiful question. He talks about there's just different kind of things. But the beauty of it is what you plant isn't what comes up. But he makes this statement here in verse 42. He said, so also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption and is raised in incorruption. You understand that what we're seeing here in the picture is the finished work of Christ. We in him, what he sees us at. This isn't us as we see ourselves in this tabernacle. This is us as God has placed us in the tabernacle. And we are, as God sees us, in corruption. The body is sown in corruption, but it's raised in incorruption. It's sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. It's sown, verse 43, in weakness. It's raised in power. It's sown, verse 44, a natural body. It's raised a spiritual body. There is a natural and there is a spiritual. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. And afterwards, the spiritual. The first man was of earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. And as was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, so we also bear so shall we also bear the image of the heavenly man. Now this I say, brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised in corruptible 
and we shall be changed. For this corruption must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruption has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. Verse 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are Acacia Wood. I want you to understand that God has said you are going to be incorruptible. And, and I, I want you to see that when we look at this, you have to understand one thing. This is the ministry of Jesus Christ to put us into the body of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, this is an incredible passage of Scripture when you understand the fullness of, of what God wants us to learn through. This is a shadow and a type of the perfection of the work of Jesus Christ. So with that, saints, um, let's give this to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are so blessed, so blessed that you make that statement, raise up the tabernacle according to the pattern that you were given. This, this is your heart. This is, this is, is perfection declared. And what's amazing is that we are part of this perfection, not because of who we are, not because of what we did, it's not our righteousness, it's not our works. It's, it's your standard. It's the righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees. It is the righteousness of God that was imparted to us. You, Jesus, took our sin. You gave us this righteousness. You put us in this body. And God, you speak of us. It's an amazing thing that you speak of every one of us as part of this glorious thing called the temple of God. It's where you meet with us. Oh, Father, we're humbled, we're honored, we're blessed. Teach us, Lord, teach us truly what it means to be a part of your body, to be a part of this temple, that we would not bring corruption into it, but that we would want to bring just your glory and only your glory do the work in our hearts. Do the work in our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. And all the saints of God said, Amen. Amen.